Why is feminist activism thriving in Latin America? Argentina has just legalized abortion thanks to relentless feminist activism. Latin America can now boast rapid social change with rising female employment, soaring representation, outpacing Europe, protections for domestic workers, and ginormous rallies against sexist violence. This sharply contrasts with entrenched patriarchy in the Middle East, North Africa, and South Asia. So, what is different about Latin America? I would stress relatively weak constraints on women's mobility, economic development, and democratization. These deep roots and disruptors create a fertile environment for sustained mobilization. So let me present the general case before drilling into some specific campaigns. So rising female employment, economic development, and democratization create an enabling environment. Latin America's republics reinforced men's control, legislation curtailed women's freedom to work outside the home, open bank accounts, sign contracts, and appear in court. Divorce was illegal for much of the 20th century, given church opposition and legislators' acquiescence. Housebound with multiple children, women remained economically dependent on husbands. And men decided the laws of the land. Now, from the 1970s, female employment rose rapidly. This was thanks to falling fertility, growing educational parity, economic insecurity, the expansion of the service sector, and rising demand for cheap, docile labour. Given these shifting opportunity costs and no tradition of female seclusion, families increasingly saw female employment as advantageous. By contrast, in MENA and South Asia, female employment remains low, notwithstanding economic development. So women came out into the public sphere, but more than that, they organised to support their families. Women in squatter settlements and barrios pooled resources and strategized in neighbourhood associations. Communal kitchens became political hubs in Argentina. Women questioned their subordination. At mothers' clubs, often supported by the church, women sought to collectively resolve their problems, such as sewage, daycare and domestic violence. To secure better healthcare in Buenos Aires, women joined urban social movements. Harnessing their legitimate identity as mothers, women's organisations pushed for human rights and democratisation. They protested disappearances in Argentina, Brazil and Chile. At a suburban women's meeting in the late 1980s, they actually reworked an old Brazilian country tune, championing their political efficacy. Now, for your benefit, I will not sing this, but let me, let me sort of speak the lyrics. Hello, lace-making women. Hello, women of lace. If women stay home, they'll never conquer freedom. My mother had three daughters, all of them named Maria. The three would stay home, only my father would go out. Hello, lace-making women. Hello, women of lace. If women stay at home, they'll never conquer freedom. Women from the suburbia, 
earns the fame of being brave. Even those who are illiterate in their work, they're very competent. For justice and for freedom, they'll even fight the president. Now imagine that more tunefully. Building, building on local organizing, Latin American feminists have forged solidarity through Encuentros. These are national and regional activist meetings. Encuentros bring together tens of thousands of women, feminist collectives, poor people's movements, indigenous groups, neighborhood associations, rural women's associations, and student organizations. For four decades now, feminists of different ethnicities, races, classes, generations have shared experiences, reflected on their lives, recognized common grievances, analyzed diverse forms of oppression, and exchanged campaign strategies. Latin America's strong regional feminist network has provided hope, support, and solidarity for campaigns on quotas, domestic violence, and reproductive rights. So let me, so, so alongside women coming out into this public sphere, we also need to think about these big structural drivers, democratization, economic development with attendant urbanization, media access, secularism, and more institutionalized political parties. With booming cities, Latin America is now 80% urban. This provides fertile grounds for activism. People living in more interconnected, heterogeneous, densely populated areas with greater access to mass communications are perhaps more likely to hear critical discourses, see slogans of resistance emblazoned on political graffiti and street murals, and learn about successful activism from their large, diverse social networks. And it's through seeing successful resistance that others gain confidence in the possibility of reform and join forces. Uh, if you're curious, do check out the blog because there are some beautiful beautiful and inspiring, powerful pictures of, of, uh, of street murals. Now, democratization here is fundamental. A permissive environment for myriad struggles catalyzes a, a culture of resistance. Citizens realize that they can secure social political change through relentless mobilization. Argentinian women came out en masse in 2001. They organized factories, joined neighborhood associations, marched with baby strollers, blocked roads, banged their pots and pans, rallied demonstrators with megaphones, chanted protest songs, and shouted, they all must go. And it's through this relentless mobilization that women became accustomed to resistance. They gained esteem and built broader networks. In Bolivia's gas and water wars, women mobilized neighborhood associations. Likewise, in Chile, feminists have been emboldened by parallel struggles for social justice, like student mobilization. Now, yes, there are gender gaps in political efficacy and engagement. Those persist but they are closing. So it's these big structural shifts, economic development, female employment, and democratization, this rich history of mobilization, that provides an enabling environment for campaigns on gender quotas, domestic workers' rights, sexist violence, and abortion. Let's drill into those now. Okay, starting with gender quotas. Now, 95% of legislative seats in the first post-transition elections were won by men. 
Over the 1990s, men continued to account for more than 90% of lower, le lower, lower legislators in Latin America. Autonomous women's movements decried this exclusion from political decision-making. And reluctantly, male legislators acquiesced to feminist pressures for quotas. But they added loopholes. Now, feminists in civil society and public office maintained momentum. So they strengthened gender quotas, they closed those loopholes, and they raised thresholds under both left and right-wing governments. Women's legislative representation then increased citizen support for female leaders, fostering a positive feedback loop. So we now see soaring representation across Latin America. And emboldened, feminists now campaign for parity in absolutely everything. This is framed as an expression of democracy and human rights. So let me give a quote from a, a Mexican senator, Adriana Diaz. It's not about making space for women. It's not about implementing a quota. It is sharing in decision making so that together we, men and women, can be co-responsible in the true development and advance of democracy. Let's quote uh, from uh, Costa Rican deputy Hilda Gonzalez Ramirez. Parity is not a quota in favor of the participation of women, but the widest expression of the universality of human rights. Now, eight Latin American countries require gender balance among legislative candidates. With stronger gender quotas, Argentina, Bolivia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Mexico, and Nicaragua now elect an average of 46% of women to their lower or single chamber of Congress. Mexico's 2019 constitution mandates parity for the executive, judiciary, and state organs. In Chile, women marched, they pro staged protests, and wrote op-ed pieces demanding a constitutional assembly with gender parity. And in October this year, 2020, voters approved. They say, never again without women. This attests to broad public support for women's representation. Okay, let's move on to another campaign. Domestic workers' rights. Now, many poor black and indigenous girls start domestic service at a vulnerable young age. Their low wages and long, solitary workdays inhibit collective organising. Elites, as well as middle-class women, tend to ignore their plight. Servitude has a long history in Latin America and is still seen as natural. Let me talk now about uh, Croiza Oliveira. She started domestic work at the age of 10. She was routinely, psychologically, physically and sexually abused. Until age 21, she only received clothes and food, not pay. Like many other domestic workers, Croiza Oliveira thought her situation was unchangeable. But... Then she heard a radio program on domestic workers' rights. Curious to learn more, she snuck out and clandestinely gathered with activists in church. By networking with other domestic workers and expanding her horizons, Croesa Oliveira came to believe that she could change her circumstances and would be supported. She became president of the National Federation of Domestic Workers in Brazil incrementally securing progressive legal reform. 
And by collaborating with labor advocates in Europe, Latin American domestic worker leaders successfully lobbied for an ILO convention on domestic workers. These organizations then pushed for domestic ratification and implementation. With the support of institutionalized left governments, as in Brazil, Chile, and Uruguay, domestic workers' organizations have pushed for labor rights and stronger enforcement. Their lives have materially improved with shorter workdays and broader social security uptake. Now, domestic worker organizations were also strong in Peru and Mexico, but they were unable to secure support from non-left-wing presidents. Most now continue to work without contracts or social security. Representation also matters. In Bolivia, labor inspectors became more empathetic to domestic workers after Morales's election. This led domestic workers to anticipate social state support and to increasingly report labor rights violations. So believing that they would be listened to led to an increase in reporting. I'm clapping my hands as sort of subtitles. I mean, no, not subtitles. Uh, mini headings, mini headings. Yes, yeah, sorry. Right, sexist violence. That's my mini heading. Um, in the late in the 1980s, Brazilian feminists successfully pushed for women's police stations. Over the 2000s, there were fewer female homicides in municipalities. Oh God, I cannot say this. Over the 2000s, there were fewer female homicides in municipalities with women police stations. This effect was especially large for young women in major cities, uh, i.e. those who likely had more economic autonomy and more supportive communities. To further politicise patriarchal violence and shift public opinion, women's movements continue to agitate. Their struggle has blazed across Latin America. And uh, here I'm quoting from a tweet from Argentinian journalist uh, Marcela Ojela. Women actors, politicians, artists, entrepreneurs, social activists, all women, are we not going to raise our voice? And here she's speaking in caps, all caps, so I think I might. They are killing us. Her appeal went viral. With 75% internet penetration, Argentinian social media was a catalyst for discussions nationwide. Feminists organized local assemblies, panels, protests, public testimonies, and street actions. 200,000 people marched in 2015, shouting, Ni una menos. Young feminist groups in Buenos Aires formed uh, these, these like, uh, these silhouettes of murdered women sort of stenciled on the floor, like, um, Echoing the, the from what they used to show in the dictatorships. Building on Argentina's long tradition of social mobilization, allying with parallel struggles, demonstrators shouted, we want us to be alive, free, and without debts. These protests and public discussions help politicize abuse. And here I'm going to quote from, from two participants. And so one said, what Ni Uno Menos has done is it has made us made the demand, not one less, clearer and made us more attentive about the fact that they are killing us, repressing us, the inequalities that exist, to question the whole male chauvinism, to question the system that we are living in. Another quote. It helped me realise with more clarity that I have been a victim of violence my whole life. 
and I have been in violent relationships and I have been harassed in public spaces for being a woman. Now, these protests quickly spread to Mexico, Uruguay, Chile, then later Peru, Bolivia, Paraguay, El Salvador, Guatemala, and also Spain. It's this regional networking emboldens women from across the continent. Hundreds of thousands of women continue to march, mobilize, and demonstrate resistance. Now, here's my final subsection on reproductive rights. So for decades, women across Latin America have struggled to secure sexual and reproductive rights. Intransigence means unsafe abortions and maternal deaths. But despite these costs, despite these maternal deaths, abortion has seldom been a political priority. Voters are much more concerned about the economy and crime. Women are silenced by stigma. And politicians are reticent to antagonise the church. But democratisation, growing secularism, left-wing governments and institutionalised party systems have enhanced opportunities for women's mobilisation. Church attendance is falling and trust is weakening, especially with reports of paedophilia. Capitalising on these structural shifts Pro-abortion coalitions have leveraged support from centre-left governments, ministries of health, unions, lawyers, doctors and journalists. Over a thousand Uruguayan public figures signed an open letter saying abortion, no more public silence. 9,000 people, including eight ministers, shared their experiences on the blog I Aborted. Young Argentinian women decked their wrists, necks and backpacks with the green handkerchief, symbolising Latin American feminism, alluding, of course, to Argentina's um, Madre de Plaza de Mayo, who wore white handkerchiefs to protest the disappearances. So it's to demonstrate support, to create a festival spirit. They, they paint their lips, their eyelids and their faces bright green. As a 27-year-old woman exclaimed, the fourth wave is going to be green, glittery and Latin American. These demonstrations, petitions and street performances showcase widespread support. Legal abortion is framed as critical for public health, human rights and full democratic citizenship. Recent successes in Uruguay Argentina offer hope for feminists across the continent. Let me summarise. So it's these deep roots and disruptors that enable relentless activism. And I think there's much to learn from Latin American social movements in demanding gender parity and governance, protesting against sexist violence, protecting vulnerable workers and legalising abortion now in Argentina. And their successes reflect two key factors of the continent's weak constraints on female mobility, which enabled rising female education, employment, female-headed households and networking, as well as democratization, the history of social movements and economic development with attendant urbanization, internet penetration, secularism and more institutionalized parties. So it's these deep roots and disruptors that enable sustained feminist activism. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Alice Evans, and this is Rocking Your Prize.